This podcast is brought to you by the L3 Advisors Group. The L3 Advisors Group supports leaders as they are creating their own legacy. Services include coaching, facilitation services for organizational planning, and advisory services. To learn more about the L3 Advisors Group, go to l3advisors.org slash learn. You're about to hear from a system chief nursing officer who honestly just gets it. She's in touch with her frontline leaders who she recognizes are tired, maybe even sometimes a bit weary. But she's on the leading edge of changing the way we look at the delivery of healthcare. Instead of being afraid of technology, she encourages her leaders to leverage it and break down the barriers to the status quo. She knows that nurses still have the best answers to the problems they need to be engaged and listened to. Even before the pandemic hit, workforce issues were front and center. But she doesn't think we were in enough pain to really be innovative. Well, the pain is now here and she's innovating. I know you'll be inspired by the genuine hope that she has for the future of nursing. Listen to her story of how she rose through the ranks, what a role coaching played along the way, and see how she's bringing together the brightest minds in her system to redesign our way out of the current shortages. She believes that healthcare is truly a team sport, and she's cultivated a process for bringing multidisciplinary teams onto the same team roster. This is Marianne O'Reilly, founding member of L3 Advisors Group, Leaders Leaving Legacies. Now it's time to plug in, start your drive home, or that midday walk around the campus. Listen and enjoy. Greetings and welcome back to Leaders Leaving Legacies, the nursing series. This podcast is focused on telling the stories of leaders in healthcare who are making a difference. So today, I am happy and honored to welcome Gay Landstrom, valued colleague. Gay is the Senior Vice President and Chief Nursing Officer for Trinity Health, a large national health system. It's headquartered in Livonia, Michigan, with 90 acute care hospitals, more than 100 continuing care locations, and numerous ambulatory clinical practice sites. So a really large system. Prior to that, Gay has served as chief nursing officer and executive vice president for Ascension and for Dartmouth-Hitchcock. She's been an interim chief executive officer in the Dartmouth-Hitchcock system and has a myriad of other roles and accomplishments. She's an appraiser for the Magnet Program, holds board advisory positions and membership in national and international professional nursing organizations. She has her PhD in nursing from University of Michigan, and her research interests have included missed nursing care, safety climate, staffing effectiveness, and implementation science. And that's hopscotching all over your bio, Gay, but welcome. We're glad to have you. Thank you, Deb. It's good to be with you. You lead a really large system, and I'd love to start talking today about what you're focused on now. Within my system, I am really privileged to work with over 50 
50 chief nursing officers of, of various acute care facilities or home care, senior care, PACE, programs for the care of the elderly. And, and it's with that group that we have been able to address some of the big issues facing nursing. And my system is similar to other systems in that we're dealing with a really fatigued nursing workforce. We're dealing with a significant shortage of not only registered nurses, but other caregivers that work with them. I don't think this is all due to the pandemic. We were starting down a road of shortage and really we were talking about how are we going to re-inspire nurses about the work that they're doing? How can we take away some of the burdens and, and the things that impede them being able to provide the best care? We were already having those conversations and then we had a pandemic you know, descend on us. And now we have some really significant shortages and we have a workforce that is really, I think, looking for some some different things than they were before. I think one of the big challenges in front of us is we have to find some new care models that provide really safe and high quality care and a, and a good patient experience. You know, if if we're missing... 1.1 million nurses, registered nurses by the end of this calendar year, which is just a few days from now, that's a significant shortage. And we can't keep hoping that we can staff our previous care models when we are that short of registered nurses. We've been looking at how can how can technology assist us? You know, how can technology help us keep patients safe? How can we prevent falls? We've also been working really hard on creating new ways for nurses and other clinicians to be able to be a part of our healthcare system. I think one of the things we're hearing from nurses and other clinicians is that they need and want and expect a whole lot more flexibility. I was just looking at numbers. We have 1,700 registered nurses now in that internal agency that are working full-time or nearly full-time. And so that's a significant part of my workforce. The last thing I'll mention that we're working really hard on is developing new care delivery models, really testing ideas that nurses have getting feedback from nurses about what works and doesn't work. At the present time, we're now replicating one of the models that we developed for med surge, inpatient units, and step-down telemetry inpatient units. So we're working with acute care hospitals across the country to implement a new care model. We've got lots of exciting things going on, but it's all about addressing the issues that are really very salient for us right now. And I suspect you're not doing that in a vacuum with just oh. nursing. When you think about the financial resources that mm -hmm. need to be taken into consideration, that kind of thing. We have an interprofessional team. And after the first of the year, we're holding another big brainstorming session across the continuum, looking at enticing nurses who, you know, would otherwise look for non-clinical work or might retire, finding ways for them to stay engaged in the clinical care of patients in acute care, 
we're taking those ideas and doing some brainstorming about how does that apply to ambulatory? How might that apply to another setting like the emergency room or obstetrics? We'll, I think we're going to be at this work for a while, but you're, you're exactly right. It takes an interprofessional team because healthcare is a team sport. It absolutely is. But I think it's important to note and I look forward to hearing you, you know, you're talking about the prototypes, you're in that unique position of being across many states and with working with many leaders. So we look forward to hearing the next chapter of that story. So you've had a journey to getting to the leadership position that you're in today. And I know, you know, from your bio and from from knowing you, uh, that you've had lots of different roles. So just for the folks uh, that want to hear your story, what roles did you take on that surprised you? I have had the opportunity to serve in many roles where a leader or someone else saw something in me and had faith that I could do something. I could be successful in a role, that I could make a difference. But I've had many leaders that were encouragers. They saw something in me and encouraged me to be bold and courageous and to try something different. And they really were my teachers along the way. Every one of these roles, there was someone who really gave of themselves, gave of their knowledge, gave of their perspective. And it all helped me to learn. And it it started at Rush. That was my very first role out of school. I went to Rush undergraduate in Chicago. And I was first a staff nurse on the adolescent unit. Can you imagine um, back then there were many pediatric inpatient units. Now there are so few. And I was tapped early to be a part of shared governance. Really loved that. I was bitten by the bug of how can we make things better? How can we create an environment where nurses can provide the very best care and patients can receive the very best. So shared governance really started it. I I didn't really understand what it was. It surprised me and I I loved it. I loved making a feeling like I was making a difference with other nursing colleagues. And then I was, you know, pulled into an assistant nurse manager role and I wasn't sure I really wanted that. I loved clinical care. But more and more I saw more of those opportunities for us to improve the environment and remove barriers. And that that started a real theme in my, my whole career, how to remove barriers and how to create an environment where nurses can provide their best care. And, and I, I went back to grad school. I, I went looking for more experience as a manager and then as a director with broader and broader responsibility. And ultimately, I was tapped on the shoulder to consider a nurse executive role in another state with a health system. And and I had learned along the way, I really liked being a part of a health system because I wasn't alone, you know, in one, one little facility. I had colleagues in other facilities. I didn't need to start from scratch. I could get at that issue more quickly if I was willing to learn from other people. So so I learned along the way, I really like being in a, in a system, but was surprised when I stepped into an executive role. I was afraid that it would be too far away from clinical care. And I loved the bedside. 
side. And I loved being able to interact with patients and nurses who provided care every day. But I learned that as an executive, it's about how you you lead as an executive. I believed what I'd learned in shared governance, that those that are providing care every day are the ones that understand the issues best and have great ideas to solve them. And if I didn't make sure I was always informed by those at the front line, I wasn't sure I could be a good executive leader. And so I set up ways to constantly be with nurses, to be informed by them, for them to tell me, here's the stuff that makes my day hard, because I needed to know that so that I could not only advocate, but I could make good decisions. I guess the other role that probably really surprised me was when I was asked if I would be willing to be an interim CEO. And I thought, oh, I don't really want, I don't really want to do that. But the situation with this facility was that I probably was the best person for them at that time. They were a little afraid of being in a system and and I was an advocate for being in a system and understood what you could get, but there was so much to be gained. So I stepped into that role and I was really surprised at how much I enjoyed that. And it was a, a broader view and looking at the health of the community and what was what was it the community most needed and how did that need to inform the programs that we offered and, and things like that. It was a different view that probably broadened my perspective forever. And just coincidentally, my father passed away while I was that interim CEO. And that facility and those people absolutely embraced me. And so I felt like I I was exactly where I was supposed to be, not only to continue to learn, but but I felt just really cared for as a human. I just want to revisit a, a, something you said, you know, learning from, from folks being tapped on the shoulder for some of these opportunities, that kind of thing. We hear so much I suspect this is true, but I would think you had to reach out or ask for as well as people identifying your opportunities for you. I think I did it really um, very early on, realizing that I had some wonderful senior nurses that I was blessed to work with, even in that very first job. And if I asked, if I sought their wisdom, they were willing to tell me everything, give me all that they had. That started a reciprocity, you know, as I began to precept and as I began to work with, with other nurses, that was the culture that, that I sort of grew up in as a nurse. And it made me want to give and encourage people to ask someone in human resources who had the most amazing facilitation skills. And she may not have been a nurse, but she could handle any tough question, any tough situation at any time. So there were times where I asked her if I could just sit in on a meeting, could I just sit in on her handling that really difficult um, situation so I could learn and observe and talk with her afterwards. And she was gracious and giving and, and taught me, you know, a great deal along the way. I also was really excited to have the opportunity to work with a professional coach. And um, sometimes people think, you know, having a coach is when you're struggling with something. And, and that could be, but a coach is just a huge gift. 
And I still reach out to that coach. I may not work with her every month, but when I have some bigger decisions to make, I will reach out to her and because she helps me to think. She, she helps me to dig deeper and be really confident about whatever decision it is that I need to make. I have found people to be so gracious and giving if you ask. And I think many people hold back and don't ask and therefore don't receive. I think what you just said is so important. Thank you for highlighting that because I think it's an important part of everyone that's gotten to a point where they've nurtured what they needed to do as a leader. One other thing you were talking about that I think people are interested today. So at the beginning, you're talking about the things you're working on now, and you're really talking about innovation, right? And we all know that we need to look at the delivery of healthcare differently. We need to have different models. You have a wide array of leaders, you know, in your system that you are are working with. So I don't know if you just want to comment on that because I think this is this these are hard times needing to come up with new solutions and with without a really long runway to do it. In my life, I think I've thought about innovation. I've talked about the need for us to, you know, in these cycles of shortages, we really need to find better ways to provide care. It always felt like we were just tweaking around the edges, but we weren't really doing anything fundamentally different. And I mean, for decades, I've talked about the need to innovate. And I've had many, many conversations with many people, academic people, other leaders, frontline nurses, just really trying to identify what is it that we need to do differently. And frankly, from my vantage point now, I think we weren't in enough pain to really push us to significantly innovate. And I think that led to a little bit of, you know, improvement, incremental improvement and tweaking around the edges, but fundamentally still sticking with the same way that we're providing care. And patients just were getting sicker and more acute and and patients who weren't very acute aren't even in the hospital anymore. You know, patients I used to care for when I first practiced they'd all be outpatient. And the patients have changed, the needs have changed, but we really haven't been changing the way we're providing care. We're in a different time now. In some ways, I mean, the pandemic, yes, it was awful in so many ways. And I think it's pushing us in a different way. The, the issues are big. The shortage of registered nurses is big. People who typically have been in roles to work with nurses, everybody wants to hire them. McDonald's is trying to hire them and offering more money. You know, it's, we have multiple things all happening at the same time. And I do think there's a blessing in it. And even for myself, when I think about how do we innovate? How do we set aside some of the barriers that might hold us back and make us think, well, we we can't change that. We have to keep doing it that way. There are, are some fundamentals that we need to hold fast to and really um, trying to be a leader who helps people let go of the barriers, you know, the, the sort of artificial well, we can't do that differently. Well, is that really one of those foundational, most important things? 
Or is it really just, we can't see how to do it differently? It's the level of need for something different that I think is pushing us beyond some of our barriers we've had in the past and are allowing us to innovate. I also think that that in the past, technology wasn't quite where it is now, and it'll be further ahead sometime in the future. But it has reached a point where we can reliably connect people in a really tangible, good way. Now we have technology that allows us to bring a nurse or another caregiver right into the patient bedside. Can they touch the patient? No, but can they see the patient? Can they zoom in and even look at in great detail at a wound? There's a lot we can do now that we couldn't do in the past. And I think that's an enabler as well. But bottom line, it's the level of crisis, if you will, that is going to push us to quit tweaking and really look at doing some things fundamentally different. And they won't all work beautifully. We have to let go of that worry. We can keep patients safe and still experiment and figure out, you know, after a week of experimenting with something, okay, that's not that great of an idea. Let's go, let's try a different one. There's something in that idea. Let's tweak it and let's see if we can make it better. But we have to let go of being afraid of trying anything different because it might hurt the patient. We can protect the patient and still try some things different. In future years, we'll look back on, yeah, this was really a, you know, a stinker time going through the pandemic. And we sure were dealing with a lot of shortage of nurses, but maybe it helped us really have a breakthrough. Maybe it helped us have nurses really practice using all their capabilities that, you know, people say at the top of their license, but maybe they really practice uh, much more at the top of their license and don't get buried in, you know, some of the other things that they might've enjoyed, but don't really require the registered nurses. Maybe the crisis pushes us to really innovate and do something that is pivotal And we'll look back at this time that it was a blessing and it helped us move into the future. That's my hope, is that um, we really take advantage of this crisis, get way beyond talking about it. I want to get to, let's try, let's, what can we do about that? What are ideas we have to address that issue and let's try them. And if, you know, if we try something and it fails, we're going to celebrate it, seriously celebrate it and go on to plan B. And somewhere in there, we are going to, if we listen to the voice of our nurses, we will have breakthrough and we're going to be able to do something different. And I'm, I'm seeing that happen in real time. I'm So I, I not only believe it, I have some evidence that, that it's true. Thank you for that perspective. That is important. Um so what what would you say your legacy is, Gay? I, I, we were talking about leaders leaving legacies, and and I think it's an important, you know, it's important to hear these stories and understand what happened to you to bring you to this point at at a place where you can make an impact. Uh, impact. So what would you say your legacy is? I would say um, probably two things. Number one, I didn't mention this, but along the way, um, I not only worked within acute care facilities, 
But when I went to graduate school, I also worked in ambulatory. I worked at an HMO when the HMOs were were really big. And I thought that was a great idea because it worked with my school schedule. What I have come to understand is that the time that I spent outside of acute care helped give me perspective on the entire continuum of care and an incredible amount of credibility with with ambulatory nurses who, frankly, they tell me they worry about leaders who come from hospitals all the time. And do they really understand ambulatory nursing? Do they really value ambulatory nursing? And that time in ambulatory and that HMO was invaluable. And, and I now really advocate for my senior leaders or those that aspire to be a CNO. They really need some experience outside of the acute care setting. The second thing is because I have led in systems now for a long time, I've, I've really led within uh, one system or another since 2009. I've learned a lot about what kind of work and improvement and development really needs to happen locally out in out where care is provided, where that that local CNO, that local nurse manager, it really needs to happen there. There are a lot of issues that can be solved at scale. And I think that I have developed a stronger and stronger sense of what are those issues that are really best solved locally? And I can support and help develop and help people, people be the best leaders they possibly can be. It's, it's taken others a long time trying to do that on a smaller scale, but when I can pull together all the bright minds and, and efforts of people who want to innovate, want to do some testing, and that facility over there is willing to test that one, and that facility over you know on the other side of the country is willing to test that one, and we can all be testing at the same time, share learnings together, make decisions about what are we going to prototype and then replicate we can do that so much faster as a system in ways we never could, you know, as, as individual facilities. And, and so it's that sense of what, what can be solved at scale within a system? How do you really leverage being in a system, gain the advantage of that in a time like this when we need innovation? So those two things, being a continuum leader and then really solving issues at scale would probably be my answer to your question. Love it. Headed toward the finish here, we develop these rapid fire, bring it home kind of fun, quick questions. And I'm going to ask you, what has caused you to laugh at work? It's probably two things. Number one, when it's just sheer joy, when I hear a great story about something we're doing like with innovation and it made a huge difference to that nurse or that patient, then it's just, I'll laugh with joy. But the other laughing, it's usually when we're laughing at ourselves, when we realize, oh, we, we've had some stupid rule that just gets in our way. And when we look at it, honestly, we're like, that is so silly. And we'll just like break out laughing, which is the beginning of, you know, the journey to change it. But we we laugh at ourselves a lot, good naturedly, but we absolutely laugh. So if you have five minutes with a brand new nurse, mm-hmm. newly licensed, 
new nurse in your system. Real quick, what are you going to say? I would commend them for choosing nursing as their profession and tell them that they will have great joy in that work. Look for it and savor it. There will also be tough times and remember the joy um, during the tough times and never miss the opportunity to be a part of making things better, whether that is being a part of, you know, a shared governance council or being given the opportunity to lead some improvement or be a safety champion or whatever it might be. Don't miss those opportunities to make a difference. It'll bring you even more joy. What is an insult that you've received as a leader that you personally considered a compliment? In response to that, it was actually when I had my very first chief nurse job and there was a reception that was being held just to introduce me and staff could come down, you know, and and say hi to me and meet me and all that kind of thing. Never all that comfortable with those things. But I was in this reception and one of the staff said, you know, the rumor that is floating around on the floors, you need to go down and meet the new chief nurse. Look around the room and look at the least likely person, the person who doesn't look like a chief nurse at all. That's going to be her. Go down and meet her. And at first I thought, oh my gosh, what am I doing? And they're like, well, no, I don't have a suit on and I don't. Maybe I don't really look like a chief nurse, but it was really because the staff found me approachable and that really was ultimately a compliment in the start of relationship with them. Oh, that is terrific. What would you say to leaders out there? Advice, wisdom, parting words? I'd love to say to any nursing leaders out there, I I know For many leaders at the frontline leading organizations that many of you are feeling really tired. You've gone through some very tough years, challenged by things we never thought we'd be challenged by, and you have stepped in and done what needed to be done, even providing direct care at times when it was needed. I I know you've thrown on scrubs and, and you've worked alongside your nurses. And I know you're tired and many of you might feel discouraged. This is a time when we need you the most. You have wonderful experience and insight into what isn't working well in healthcare, what weaknesses were exposed during the height of the pandemic surges. And I would encourage you to to not shy away and pull away, but to step into helping us to make this better. And together, I have every confidence that we are going to be able to look back at this time as a pivotal time that we made big differences in nursing. We didn't shy away. We didn't shrink, but we really grappled with tough issues and we started to make a difference. Comforting and important words. Thank you, Gay. Thank you for being with us today. I For taking time, I know you're busy. Every leader is, but thank you for sharing your 
perspective and insights and wisdom. So really appreciate you being with us today. And to our leaders, thank you for being with us as well. As always, we'd love to hear from you, thoughts, suggestions on those you would like to hear from or feedback on the episode. Don't forget to subscribe to Leaders Leaving Legacy so that you can be notified of our new episodes and stay tuned for the next episode as we continue our nursing series. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap for today's episode of Leaders Leaving Legacies, the nursing series. We've been honored to have Gay Landstrom as our guest. Thank you, Gay, for being with us and sharing some of your stories, some of your insights, but also giving us a taste of what you see on the horizon. And for our listeners, we hope you found this conversation inspiring and enlightening. If you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to our show wherever you listen to your podcast. And your support means a lot to us. So let us know how we're doing by leaving us a rating and a review. You can like us on LinkedIn and please visit our website, l3advisors.org learn to stay up to date. Join us next time as this series to continue, continues to explore the topics of leaders leaving a legacy with national nursing leaders. Until then, stay hopeful, be inspired, and walk through those doors that are developing your own meaningful legacy.